It's Friday, November 8th, 2019, and you're listening to episode 530 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 55 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. I think I'm still Wayne. <laughs> My name's Chad. And I'm Ian Dale, definitely. As of the dropping of this episode, Fear the Con 2020's Kickstarter is either going to be in its last few days or it will have just ended. If it is still going as of the time I drop this episode, I will link it in the show notes. If not, then I will link to the Con Planner site so that you guys can get out there and start creating or signing up for games. Either way, link to the Con Planner site. But if it's not done yet, go out and back it. If it's done, thank you for being successful because yes. we already are past the funding at this point. Also, if you have no plans on going or you do plan on going, there was an extra backer level added that will allow you now, correct me if I'm wrong, Wayne, it will allow you to pick a topic that we talk about on Fear the Boot. Regular or bonus episode. And we will read your letter setting up the topic as long as it meets our standard criteria of no religion, no politics. Yep. Or if it goes wildly off the beaten trail, then we'll do it as a negative episode. <laughs> so you'll have to be both on the Kickstarter and Patreon to hear it. But hey, I mean, you're I mean, we would yeah. give it to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. Give it. yeah. If you back at that yeah. level, we'll send you the episode. But anyway, so the other or, or thing. Or you can just sign up for the Patreon anyways. Mm-hmm. So the other thing is Wayne was digging through some of our stats on how people consume mm-hmm. the show. And we're not going to bore you with that because it's a whole lot of... He's got like two pages right here, and those are just the notes. Yeah, no, it's, it's... That's just one page of notes. Mm-hmm. It's kind of rote mechanical stuff. It's not super mm-hmm. exciting. But one thing we would like to ask for is wherever it is that you hear us, if you pick us up on iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud or any of the multiplicity of places that Fear the Boot can be found... If you would take a moment to drop us a review, we would appreciate that because Wayne was looking at our reviews and apparently like we haven't had any reviews in years and years and years. And (laughs) that is one of the things that these sites use to recommend shows to people or to see how relevant they think a show is. And I can tell from the numbers that there are still people listening. A couple, anyway. Yeah, five or six. (laughs) I mean, especially once we take out moms and dads. Right. Maybe two. (laughs) But, you know, nonetheless, we would still appreciate it. I mean, we have 20 people that listen to the Skies of Glass AP on YouTube. Hmm. Why did anyone listen to an audio podcast on YouTube? I don't know, but people do. Yeah, we're thinking about doing video for the next AP. I don't know if we will or not. That's not a commitment. It would be a help to us if wherever it is you grab us, if you could take just 15 seconds to give us, you know, a thumbs up or whatever out there so other people find the show. We love hearing from you, but also it is a functional thing. It brings more people into the community. It's for a lot of aggregators, for a lot of search engines. The last updated reviews are a health feature. Yep. It's a sign of health of a podcast. Chad's really downplaying it, but really he loves to hear how awesome his voice is. Well, I mean, I already know that, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so give us five-star reviews and tell us how much you hate Chad. That's yeah, fine, absolutely. too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as as five-star. It can be a thumbs up, and you could write, not every episode has Chad. That's right. <laughs> just, just hang in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fine. Uh, we, once a while back, we ran a poll. And we should never do this because it's it's terribly, yeah. it's an interpersonally unhealthy thing to do. 
but we asked people who their favorite host was and who their least favorite host was, and guess who won both polls? That's right, baby, because I'm a winner. <laughs> so anyway, all right, the topic for today, Wayne's got kind of an interesting little exercise we're going to do here, but to set this up a bit, a few episodes back, we gave some advice to a friend who was about to run a game for Chad and Wayne and Dale and that gaming group. And the interesting thing about that is she is a relatively new gamer, Mm -hmm. but she was going to attempt to GM for a group of very veteran and established players. And if you're brand new to the show, because you found us through one of those great reviews, I'll go ahead and (laughs) link that episode in the show notes so you can find it. But that game has now occurred, Mm -hmm. all right? Now, we're hoping to get her on either next episode, maybe episode after that, so she can talk about what that experience was like, what advice she used, what advice she didn't use, and all of that. We're not going to speak on her behalf. or let. And we're going to hold off on saying whether the game was good or an utter train wreck until then, too. So we're going to... I thought it was great. Well, I thought it was a train wreck. But, <laughs> you but you were watching train wreck videos on YouTube. But we're, we're going, is that what they call porn now? But, I mean, you know, depends what kind you're watching. Yeah. But we're going to hold off going on in the that tunnel, so. until she's on. Yeah. But it did bring up an interesting exercise mm-hmm. that has, I think, relevance in a few places. Because she handed you guys pre-gens, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, so she handed you guys pre-gens. Now, where you're likely to see pre-generated characters, you don't make your own character, is conventions. Obviously, in a lot of con games, the GM is not going to want to take a lot of time doing character creation. And so you're very likely to be handed a pre-generated character. Some modules, now a lot of them have switched to being organized play-centric, And in most organized play, you have a character that's registered that you take from game to game. But there are some modules still that give or recommend a handful of characters they intend for this adventure. Or one-shot games with your regular group where the GM may have a concept that he or she wants to try out. And so as a result, you're going to get a pre-generated character. But one of the things that you then have to do as someone who's playing this character, is you have to take this pre-generated character sheet yep, that you did not create yourself. Right. I mean, that's the big thing is when you're filling out a character sheet, you're thinking about your character. This is a sheet that's handed to you. You have not thought about this character until you sit down and it's now sitting in front of you. And what the character sheet gives you out of RPG is it gives you the G. It gives you... The game aspects, I mean, here's, Wayne gave us two, one for Skies of Glass, one for D&D 5th Edition. And on both of them, I have everything that I need to play the character statistically, but there is no character, there's no role here. I don't know who these characters are, but if this is a sitting at a convention or a one-shot or whatever, then in order to be a good role-playing game, I need to create a role or a character, all right? So. Yep. So what got me really thinking about this was Chad, Don, and myself, as we're playing our characters, each of us seemed to key into at least one thing on the character sheet that was handed to us to help create our voice. To give an example of it, the character I was given, well, the one I picked out of the stack, was a dwarf fighter 
going completely ant- you know, against mm-hmm. class for me. There was I, a gnome bard that I would not let him take. Yep. <laughs> and I wasn't going to really? take it anyway. I missed that. Can I change my character to that? I missed that one. <laughs> no. No, no. So <laughs> too late. Oh. I wasn't going to take that one anyway because I was mm-hmm. going to do something right. out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I don't play fighters usually. Yeah. So I grabbed the dwarf fighter that is... I normally don't play dwarf. I normally don't play fighter. And I look at it, and one of the things listed is the background was folk hero. Mm-hmm. So I started basing some of the character's voice around folk hero. This is a guy that has a hero complex. He won't just leave people. He wants to rescue people. Dawn's character, her favorite enemy was undead. Right. That became her character. Mm-hmm. She. It wasn't just her favorite favorite right. enemy. It was her obsession. Yeah, like unhealthy. We need an yep. intervention. What <laughs> was how she was playing it? She wasn't. She wasn't playing it up. She was playing her character has a problem, and it was really neat. It was yeah. really cool. And I don't know what you tied off of on the sheet for your character, but you were adding a lot of voice to it as well. I didn't actually see your sheet yeah. to look at. I was playing a half elf, half human, half dragon. That <laughs> doesn't work mathematically. <laughs> Shut up! It's a fantasy. <laughs> It was a half-elf, so it was half-human, half-elf, and then it was a sorceress with the sorceress background of Draconic. Oh, so, he, so, so they had Draconic heritage. So you're like yeah. one 1,024th yeah. right. dragon. Right. Okay. Right. And that came up throughout the way you were playing the character. Yep. And none of this were things that she planned as she handed mm-hmm. us the characters. So that got me thinking about that as a kind of an exercise of... How do you do that? Yeah, so let's start with the one that people are probably going to be more familiar with. And this is easy mode out of the two. Yeah, which is the D&D 5th edition one. I'm going to assume probably everyone listening to this, or at least 90-some-odd percent, have played some edition of D&D before, or at least are familiar with the tropes of fantasy. So one of the things that I have found in pre-gen characters is there are Rorschach tests. It's being asked what you see in an ink blot. And I don't think, unless what you're choosing is something that's disruptive to the game, I don't think per se there is a wrong way to read it. Mm-hmm. But I think what helps, like I'm looking at this fifth edition sheet. There's a damn lot of text on here. Yeah. And now a, a lot of it is spell lists, equipment, rule stuff. Like the what I have here is a hill dwarf cleric and there's a lot of stuff here that's abilities, that's equipment, but you have to pick a couple things in here. And when I say a couple, I mean that in the dictionary sense of like two that you're going to latch on to to try and create a character here. And let me explain why I suggest two things. I think if you take only one thing, you risk creating a monodimensional character, which I guess for a three hour game, maybe that's not too big of a deal. But it doesn't give you a lot of room to adapt to what other people are doing. If you have two things, at least now you start to have a multifaceted character. And you might come back later and realize that one of them is going to fit in with the party better than the other. Based on the plot being run, one of them is going to be easier to express than the other. And maybe you'll go back as the game goes on and latch on to a third or fourth thing, particularly to play off of other people. But hopefully we can demonstrate that as we go. So let's pretend that we're playing this game and some fifth person is DMing this. So it's not one of us because all of us have character sheets. So Fearagon. Yeah, Fearagon's <laughs> running the game. And I'm gonna Excellent. Go- it's dragons and dungeons. <laughs> yeah, this is 
going to be a weirdly pro dragon <laughs> version of D and D. Let me tell you what I latch on to immediately about this character. Now, I could go with either the cleric or Hildwarf and play either stereotypical religious person or stereotypical dwarf. I'm Scottish and drunk and hate horses and love axes, but that doesn't work for me. I mean, if that's your thing, that's cool. I'm not telling you you're wrong, but I want something a little different. So what I'm looking over at here is in 5th edition, you have these little notes that are supposed to be part of the character, personality traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws. I'm going to tell you what I see here. So personality traits. I'm always polite and respectful. Also, I don't trust my gut feelings, so I tend to wait for others to act. Okay, that's interesting to me. I'm going to explain why in a second here. Ideals is respect. People deserve to be treated with dignity and courtesy. Well, I'm a relatively courteous person as is. So that's great, but that's a non-starter for me because that's how I tend to play my characters anyway. So good tip, but that's not a character. Mm -hmm. Bonds, I have three cousins, Gundren, Thardin, and Nundro, who are my friends and cherished clan members. Okay, cool story, but guess who I don't get to pick if they even appear in the game or not? Right, yep. It's not that it doesn't matter. It's that as a player, this is inactionable to me. On this sheet, it's the double-edged sword of a pregen. It's not the stats or anything like that, or the, even the fact that it's a pregen. Like you said, it's the G in role-playing game. This is the, the game stuff. This is your gateway to the dice and the numbers and all that. I think the double-edged sword comes in when you start, or what, whoever gives you the sheet, starts putting flavor into it right. for you. Now, I'm not talking like a little, like you said, cleric and folk hero and that sort of thing. I'm not talking that. Well, and that's exactly why I've given two examples here. One game that gives the spot for it and one that doesn't. Because I've seen both kinds of characters handed to me at a con game. Well, the double-edged sword, though, is the personality traits, bonds, uh, ideals, flaws, that sort of thing. Now, that that's sort of for this edition of Dungeons & Dragons. But somebody could also hand you, like, a paragraph about your character, that sort of yeah, thing. And that's is, pretty common. Yeah, and that's common. As a player, though, when I get handed that, I don't like that much detail. I don't even like the, as much detail that's on this character sheet. Because, like you said... I don't know how much of this is relevant, how much of it isn't. Is this just supposed to inspire me? Or on mine, it says, one day, Thunder Tree will be... And I'm like, I'm not a dwarf. What? Thunder Tree will be a prosperous... Oh, town again. Oh, that's the name of a town, not a dwarf. A statue of me will stand in the town square. Like, wow, that's really egotistical. But hey, it's something to shoot for. Is Thunder Tree in this, this the town? Is that actually going to make an appearance or be relevant in the yeah. game? I don't know if that's important to the game master or not. Is there an expectation of my character being egotistical or maybe overshooting his ambitions right? And or not? I think the two things that I'm looking for on this character sheet, one, things that are interesting to me. Right. All right. And I think and this is what I would suggest most people look for. If you're at a con, a one shot, whatever it is. One, look for the things that are interesting to you because those are the ones that you are going to express with the least internal resistance. It's going yeah. to be easiest for you to work with. Right. But secondly, look for things that are actionable in the game. In the case of these three cousins, I can real quick do a personality sketch and background sketch for all of them, and in every conversation bring them up like some codependent weirdo, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean they're ever going to appear. That's not actionable to me. Yeah. Well, and if it's something where you have that question, you could very easily just go, hey, Fairgon, these three NPCs, am I free to give them their personalities? 
And Fear right. God says, yes, but you're wasting your time because the game's going to not be about them. <laughs> yep. yeah. It is perfectly cool. And I think most GMs running games at a con, mm-hmm. if you have a question about that, I know I'd prefer you to just ask the question real quick. Absolutely. We'll get it going before we start. And the answer for me is generally, you want to come up with our backstory? Go for okay. it. So yeah. let me, but, in terms of interesting to me and actionable in the game, I see two things on my character sheet that instantly jump out at me. And this is going to take me to a secondary point, but I want to hold this for a second so we don't rush ahead too much, which is I don't trust my gut feelings, so I tend to wait for others to act. And then farther down, I secretly wonder whether the gods care about mortal affairs at all. Okay, those are things that I can do a lot with in terms of role-playing, and those are things I don't need anything from the GM to do. Yep, those are things that you're internally internalizing. These are actionable. I can role-play these in any scene. Wayne, what about you? One, do you agree with my two tests of interesting and actionable? And if you do, what do you see on your character sheet that's interesting and actionable? I think that's definitely the case. There are things you can look for that are either actionable or get you in the mindset of the character you want to play. When I look at my sheet, the couple of things that jump out at me. Background. I always look for background on D&D because if it's picked, you get stats and things from it. But it's something I can key on. Aaron, the Saturday game... I looked at it and saw a folk hero. This one is noble. Okay, this guy is noble. The bonds, he's talking about his great axe as a family heirloom. It's a nobleman with a great axe that speaks dwarvish. Well, that's true. I've got something like that, too, insofar as I'm a soldier, which means I served in some army. So what I've pieced together now for my character that that I want to give a voice to, his father was a diplomat. He has grown up with dwarves. This great axe that's been passed down through his family was made by the dwarves and gifted to one of his relatives. While his family has been diplomats, he is someone who has grown up noble and is now going out into the world with this axe that speaks of his family, but has never actually gotten blood on it until now. Hmm. That's the character I'm taking into the game now, because those are the things that I've keyed off of on here that I found Interesting enough to ask the questions. Why would a nobleman know dwarfish? Okay, here's a reason why the nobleman well, knows What dwarfish. race is your character? Human. So he's not a dwarf. He's not a dwarf. Why would a noble human fighter know dwarfish? There's right. a lot of reasons they can't. Wayne, do me a favor. This is here's what I found. Put a star, you got a pencil star. Put a star next to that, because I'm going to come back to that on our next subtopic to this. Which part of it? The one about him having a dwarvish axe. Because that's a great question and I've got a possible answer for you, but it's our next topic. So continue. Okay. So that's the voice that I take into this one. It is someone who is he's noble. He doesn't have the whole fighting background. He's a level one character just learning to fight using an axe that has never actually been wielded in battle because it's a family heirloom. Hmm. Good. To be honest with you, I would reject just about everything on the on the character sheet. A lot of mm-hmm. stuff that you can't and as a player shouldn't eject. My character's a fighter. Well, that that's a mechanical thing. And I'm playing the fighter. I'm playing a role. So I can't just say, well, I'm a mage now, guys. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about that. Race, a human, that's another mechanical thing. I don't think like going into a con game or anything like that, you should not really start a negotiation with the game master when they hand you the human fighter who's a lawful good saying, 
can we change this? Not can I have a new character, but can I change human to gnome? And can I change lawful good to true neutral? And can I change fighter to wizard? And can I, th- this is not ordering off an a la carte menu. You are handed your yeah. meal no, and, and now you have starts, to eat it. That starts you off on a bad footing for the whole game to yeah. begin with. Well, exactly. Especially because you don't know why the GM asked for it. Right. I, I think it is very fair to interpret those things mm-hmm. to flavor. Oh, absolutely. But it, that's very different than sending the meal back to the kitchen. Exactly. So there are things that, if I was handed this, that I absolutely take to 100%. Fighter, human, alignment in D&D. In 5th edition, it's not as important. If this were previous editions, absolutely, you have to play it. There's mechanical effects for that. All the stats and stuff as well, you, you just take it. But as far as like the personality traits and whatnot... Something that I did on Sunday is I took this character and then I started reading it and she was a saint. And I'm like, I don't want to be wise and noble and you need to listen to me in this rock'em sock'em horror game that we're about to play. So that's out. She's not a sage. It says on the character sheet, but uh, I care she ain't boss me. So <laughs> okay, I went in with, with nothing, right? On that, right. on that, at least on that aspect, and Dawn was playing a noble, and she was playing an elf, and she was playing a super racist elf, which was great uh, because I was a half elf. So I again half elf mechanical thing have to go in with that. So I made that work for me, and so I started playing sort of a noble, rich sort of snide person to match and counter her racist sort of thing because she was a ranger like like what kind of noble elf is a ranger right you know it's like you're you're muddy you didn't go to school you're hunting and so and so there was there was a really great sort of back and forth that developed for me plenty in there's flight. plenty of noble but, elves that are rangers well from the perspective of my character it allowed me to throw shade on her character well hold, hold that so. thought hold that thought because we're all so tangenting here into right right, right. Different, right. So, what on this character sheet on you, this specific one? Yes. yes. Well, we're changing to uh, yeah. topic three. Okay. So on this character sheet, so there is a direct contradiction on here, because I imagine that however these were generated, you know, maybe it was yep. randomish or something. Yeah, I mean, it's not yeah. really a problem. Yeah, and I think I've said this. These are the actual fifth edition right. starter character sheets. Yeah, personally, that come with the starter I, kit. I use long words in an attempt to sound smarter. Okay. Ideals, it's no good pretending to be something I'm not. It doesn't say you're not. It's not like he's a hypocrite. He actively has a contradiction in his life. He uses long words in an attempt to sound smarter, which he's not both mechanically and by implication. Right. Mm -hmm. Yet in the next line, it is no good pretending to be something I'm not. Now you can start like interpreting that and whatnot, but you know what? I'm at a con. I walked in. I'm five minutes late to the game. I'm hungover. I sit down. I'm handed to this. I scan it. I am not going to write this deep psychological contradiction of why he presents trying to be smart when he's not yet thinking that he shouldn't do that. Which is exactly what I would do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't That's get what me, I would do Don't well. get me wrong here. That's interesting. That's great. That's for the people like you two who show up five minutes early to the table. <laughs> five minutes? And, and are looking, Only five minutes? Right, right, exactly. Exactly. And are looking it over and making all these decisions. And I don't drink it. I'm not hung over. Yeah. I plop down and I'm ready to go. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at this. I go, fighter, human. It says good. Sure. Whatever. And I'm not going to actually make any personality. And the reason I'm not going to make any personality is not because, again, any of your guys' ideas are bad. They're great. But it's, they're not you. They're not me. And I'm waiting 
for one of you to start acting, role-playing, to give me something to bite on so that I can get my character made as it's in flight. Now, I can also come out the gate where the game master starts saying something about this town you're in and you're doing this stuff, and then the mayor meets you at the gate and he's a short guy and he has a wart and he's really ugly, and then maybe I will, okay, I'm going to play a jerk and I'm going to make fun of it. But I know that Wayne is playing, you two are playing like good guys, and so that will give you two an opportunity to call me out. And then I turn around and react to it, and then how I react to it defines my character. Do I get defensive? Do I get angry? Do I back down? So you're going to take the basic, super, super high-level stuff. Right. Race, class, alignment. And other than that, and I'm not attacking this. I'm just trying to restate the point. You are going to see... Because I think one of the things, especially with this D&D character sheet, mm-hmm. is there is so much on this. Yeah. yeah. It is a mistake for anyone yeah. to try and read, memorize, and internalize all mm-hmm. of it. You you have to accept that... Yeah, you and I were picking two or three things and just... Bingo. Because 75 or 90% of this has to be cruft because you can't, in 10 minutes right. or 5 minutes, interpret all of this. And so you have to pick some things to latch on to. So in your case, it sounds mm-hmm. like you're going even higher level than Wayne and I do of saying, I'm a good aligned fighter, whatever it is you are. Right. And beyond that. Well, I'm going to take it one step further with what he's describing he's doing, because it was something I noticed he does. Mm-hmm. He's not just keying on what's on his sheet to make his character. He's keying what's on your sheet yeah, and what's on that, my yeah. sheet. Hold that, mm-hmm. hold that. So, okay, <laughs> let's bounce here to Dale. Dale, what are you locking onto on your sheet? All right. So, I, first thing on the sheet is it, same uh, same as Chad, where it's got uh, you use the polysyllabic words to uh, make them sound smarter. And I'm like, no. But right after that, it says, I've spent uh, so long in the temple that I have little experience dealing with people on a casual basis. And I'm like, okay, so I'm 20 years old again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so, okay, that works for me. And mm. spells he's got Mage Hand, Prestidigitation, you know, Ray of Frost. Okay, Was so. Was he the class clown at the temple? Not so much the class clown at the temple, you know, more the, the one that was overly serious. Hmm. The, he the, has all the trickster. Uh, yeah, but I mean, are they trickster cantrips? They're also cleanup cantrips. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, press digitation is great for. Oh, okay, I'm just gonna have, have well, the whole floor this swept. is also if he spent too long in temple, isn't that great at getting along with people? Those are also things that get you out of social situations. Past the salt becomes mage hand. It, it you have the salt, you don't yeah. have to deal with anyone. Precisely, or you're getting bullied. And these are the stuff that gets you out of getting bullied without them knowing you're doing it. Yeah. You know, making trip and slip and their shoes are tied together when they go to punch you or yeah. whatever. With New Magic user, I do exactly what you just were describing is I yeah. look at my spell list. Why did why were these the spells that they picked? Yeah. Exactly. I also have, you know, Shelter of the Faithful where, you know, I was a serv- as a servant of Agma, you command the respect of those who share your faith, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you can perform rites and so forth. Yeah. So I- I'm the one who is at the temple, overly serious. But for some reason, I didn't become a cleric. I became a wizard. It's like, hmm. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, with Ogma, that makes sense, because this is an Ogma hidden knowledge. I all. have absolutely no Remember, idea. we showed up to the table okay. five minutes late. I just so <laughs> happened yeah. to know Forgotten Realms, which is funny, because I say that and probably have Ogma wrong. But <laughs> I, I thought Ogma was the one of, like, hidden knowledge and things like that. I, I, I I'm probably dead wrong and embarrassing myself. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's the question I would ask myself, too. You grew up in a temple. Why didn't you go cleric? Yeah. I, I could come up with a bunch of reasons that I would go with, but... Exactly. All right. So the, uh, that would be... For me, it would be something along the lines of, like, I just didn't have enough faith. You know, the the wisdom score is only a 12, but my intelligence was 16. Okay, so that means I'm smarter than I am faithful to, to me. So it's like, okay, so I just, you know, turned that and used that to the uh, to the worship of uh, of my god, but I'm not... I was I was close. I was yep. practical knowledge and invention. Okay. So that actually would make well, sense. What's neat about that concept you guys came up with of cleric but you didn't become a cleric you became a wizard the question is why Mm -hmm. exactly what i would do if if i saw that and that popped in my head is i would say that is the question right that does not have an answer so i sit down and i start playing that is a question that defines my character now you could play it a couple different ways the character himself does not know and is searching Mm -hmm. that's pretty interesting Mm -hmm. but i will kind of warn against doing that because you only have three or four hours and you well, might yeah. not get there. But it's re- what you what I would do is that would be a question my character knows the answer to, but I, the player, do not. Well, and I would see if that develops during the course of the to, game. To put this under a bullet point, mm-hmm. I think what you've just described is not reading what's on the character sheet, but reading what isn't on the character right. sheet. For yeah. example, one of the things that I noticed is in my bonds, I have three cousins, Gundren, Tharden, and Nundro, which are freaking terrible names. But you don't have parents. Well, for I didn't even notice parents. I mean, that's true. Where are my brothers and sisters? You know, if I've get, I've, where, yeah, where were my parents? Who are their parents? Where's my aunts and uncles? I've been oh, handed, you're playing Batman. You don't have parents. I've been handed <laughs> pre-gen character sheets like that before where I have families or NPCs with long, weird fantasy names, and then I have taken a pencil and struck them out and re- <laughs> yeah. given them names that yep, I can pronounce. Gundren exactly. just became Gun, Tharden just became Thar, and Nundro just became Nun. Gun, Nun, and Thar. Yep. So, And then that's kind of like... Their original well, names? I, I'm a, you know what? Going through what is on the sheet now, mm. here's the hole in the sheet of why is it I don't have brothers, sisters, parents, aunts, uncles, but I'm a soldier. <laughs> Must have been a war. Yeah. Yeah. whole lot of people got killed. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So let me hop to the point we've been... Or you were what? Like the fourth son or something? <laughs> <laughs> let me hop to the point now we've been talking around, and I've stopped several people from talking mm. about, which is tie-ins. Mm. And if the GM doesn't do this, players, I would suggest you do it because you can get a pretty quick read of the table. And GMs, if you're listening to this, I recommend you do it. Ask everyone, so give me a 30-second overview of what you're playing and hear what they say because now you get what they're latching on to. In this wall of text, you understand their takeaways and don't let them carry on for 20 minutes, 30 mm-hmm. seconds and done. Yeah. And you now get what they're playing for example, Wayne, in your case, you said you have an axe that's apparently dwarven in make, and it yep. speaks dwarven, and you speak dwarven, and blah 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 boom, I see a tie-in. Because I'm a dwarven cleric who used to be a soldier, and I don't have an axe on my character sheet. I have a warhammer. So where's the rest of my family? You know what? In whatever war that happened, there was an axe 
that was a family heirloom, and you saved my life when my family was killed, and so I gave it to you to honor their ancestral spirits to carry on in the purposes of war and honor and all these dwarven traditions, which is why it speaks dwarven. Well, and if you threw that out to me at the table, I'd say, okay— you, how about you gave it to my father instead? And when Because you, I'm a sh- human with a short lifespan, you're a dwarf with a really long lifespan, sure. and this was handed down from my father. Perfect. We can yep. do that. And on top of that, Wayne, you said you speak dwarven, right? Yep. Maybe I'm the one that taught you. I will say two points on that. It's fantastic. I've done it at a table. I've seen others do it at a table. Is what should be done at a table. You're handed these pregens, and then you make that instant connection yep. like that. Thing is, you're at a con game. You sit down. You might be sitting down with strangers and the strangers might not be very uh so like like it's taking a lot for them to come to the con and sit down and game with strangers so dan you have great ideas you are a font of great ideas just like what happened now boom and you hit wayne with them i can be overbearing to people and i know this so as Someone who is like that, if I were to go to Dale, Dale and I have never met before, and I see something like, like, hey, Dale, let's... Hi, Chad. Hi, Dale. Because yeah, I see your name tag, and you saw mine, and now we know each other. Exactly. And I'm like, hey, uh, why don't you be my long-lost brother, even though we're not the same race, but who gives a And you're my long-lost brother, and this, that, this, and the other, and Dale doesn't want any part of that. In fact, I'm being me, and I'm probably up in his face, and he's like, whoa... Dale can say, no thanks, I'm not interested. If you are the person trying to make that connection, now you just put a lot of energy into that. I know, because I'm a person who does that. I put a lot of energy into that, and I just got shot down. Accept it. Yeah. They don't want to play. That's cool. Don't, well, are you sure, Dale? I mean, we could connect our characters. That'd be really great, right? Well, now my brow is furrowed. Now I'm giving you the head tilt look, and my tone has changed. And maybe this person I'm talking to, again, has maybe a little bit of anxiety about this. Yeah. So why make life hard for them? I, I think No, thanks. Okay, no problem. Yes, precisely. I think very it much is so. very reasonable to say no one to stop. Right. And just like, Chad, you were saying mm-hmm. you don't think your character sheet's the boss of you. And <laughs> I, I'm not sure I'd be quite so broad, but I certainly sure. I do yeah. agree with the general sure. point you're sure. getting at of I wouldn't feel beholden to every nook and cranny of this mm-hmm. character sheet. But I think it is certainly equally fair to say the person to my right is not the boss of me. Yeah. And so I also think sitting down if the character was like these are all pre-gen generic new characters. Sure. Versus if you sat down at a Marvel game and you're handed Spider-Man, you're not going to want to say this character sheet isn't the boss of me. Well, yeah, that's a very different expectation. But if. You know, but yeah, I, one thing that Chad does like frequently well roleplaying, he will throw things out for other characters and those that are playing with him are used to it and look mm-hmm. for those opportunities. Like for me, I'm gonna give you a couple of examples from Saturday's game. One case early on, I'm a dwarf, he starts talking about how dirty and smelly I am. Mm-hmm. I take that, I make it part of the character. Why is the character dirty and smelly? Character's dirty and smelly because these two uptight, (laughs) obnoxious elves never shut up, and if we're on the road and I don't bathe, they stay away from me because they're noble. I get a chance to mention that to an NPC who's like, how do you deal with them? I don't bathe when I'm on the road and they give me my space. It's like doing a room. <laughs> it's right. It's doing a room clearing fart because you want the room empty. Yes. <laughs> Another point, I make a offhanded comment, a uh, a guy that's gone insane. 
starts is mumbling. I'm like, sounds like every cleric I've ever met. <laughs> and Chad makes a comment of, why do you hate your father? And that, <laughs> that then became a key part of the yep. character. His that father is now a cleric. Never anywhere on any of these yep. sheets nor agreed to beforehand. I just yeah. threw that out. But on to your point, mm-hmm. you do that because you know that I can take right, off of it and right. do it. You sit at a con table and you look to the guy to your right and say, man, Dale, your character really s- smells. Huh? Yeah, that right? would be offensive to like, yeah. oh, thanks yeah. a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so I completely get what you're going with there. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye on what you're doing. Yeah. Me as a player, I look for those opportunities with the other players to add to my character, yeah. not to add to their character. So when you're playing yeah. with friends and you know the temperature of the room, then, yeah, do that stuff. It's just like, I hate Claire. Why do you hate your father? And then, boom, Wayne and I can go back and forth. Now, uh, actually, I was going to say, if you're doing it a con game, don't do it something that could be interpreted as offensive. Do it in some yep, uh, some right. way that could be interpreted as a positive. Like, instead of, why are you so smelly? How about, why do you keep your, uh, your axe so shiny? Or what... You can do as well. That That is good. I, I totally agree with that. What you could also do is instead of turning the lens on someone else to create the opportunity, what you do is you turn the lens onto yourself to make an opening for other people. Uh, the example from the from the top of the episode, Farragon describes this town and the mayor comes out. And the mayor's short and really ugly. And my character starts throwing shade on. It's just like, whoa, dude, I can't even talk to you with a face like that sort of thing. Well, what that does is creates an opportunity for one of the other characters to say, what the hell you think you're doing? We've never been to this town. Or, well, that's a little aggressive, isn't it? And it's just like, how dare you talk to you? You talked to the last three mayors of the town. You said the same thing. And one was a beautiful person. And then <laughs> it's certainly... Not this one, but... Yeah, and then it's just like, then that sets up this opportunity for me. It, it puts all the onus on me. Right. Right? So that if nobody keys into that, well, then I just keep moving along and, and that marketplace of ideas. It right. just didn't get picked well, up. Well, there, there certainly is more degrees of separation if you're a jerk to an NPC mm-hmm. as opposed to a jerk to another party member. Because yes. uh, particularly yep. if exactly. you don't know the person playing the character, you don't know how they're going to feel about that. You don't know how they're going to react to that. It might be ostracizing to them on some level. Whereas if you're simply a jerk to an NPC... You know what? At least that's outside of the tribe. I want to do an entire episode, not to hijack this one, but I want to do an entire episode where I give instructions on how to play a character that is an how to without play. without destroying the game or pissing the other players oh, off. Oh, and I've got a uh, side topic to that, so we can definitely do this. How to GM for someone that's playing a bully? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> without, <laughs> without resulting on a on a player kill. Yeah, without leaning on you know that's my out is I'm just going to blow this character's head off. Right. So all right, yeah, let's, we we both dealt with that. Yes, let's sir. move to the second sheet, which is now the skies of glass one. This is very different than the D and D one because this is very minimalist. Yep. So also for anyone that's curious, what we're looking at here. I will at least post pictures of my character sheets so you can kind of see what it is we're talking about. And well, uh, and since we're on the third recording of this, I don't <laughs> remember what I did or didn't say. Is, this are we sure it's of, still the third recording? Or I'm did, not even sure if I wait anymore. <laughs> but this Skies of Glass sheet in particular, this is not current Skies of Glass. Current Skies of Glass rules has... The things you're really good at, the things you're not Mm -hmm. good at, things that give you a little more personality. This version of the game didn't have that aspect. 
it had perks and penalties, but they weren't as descriptive as that. This is Circa Fear the Con 3. And these are the characters sitting in front of you are character sheets recreated character sheets which is of what i handed my honestly players. this may very well be the version of the rules i am least fond of that i actually probably like the 1995 rules better than i like mm-hmm. these but the big difference you're going to see if you look at the images i put up with these character sheets and i apologize if they're photos and not scans i don't have a scanner so i might scan them in at work if not well you'll survive it's just going to be a camera taken picture but unlike the D&D sheet, these are very minimal. This is not a sheet where you have to hack through a lot of craft. Quite frankly, I mean, if you start marking off more than a couple of things as craft, you're not left with a whole lot of character. And so I think I would start at the same place, though, of I'm going to look at this sheet and see what is interesting to me and what do I feel is actionable in the game. All right, so one of the first things that I notice is... My age. I am only 19. Okay. Now, this is an unforgiving world. And if you look at many points previous in history, people didn't get as long to grow up. I mean, if you look at our society, we don't really treat someone as an adult, oftentimes until they're in their mid to upper 20s. You know, we treat 18 year olds as kids, we treat sometimes 21 year olds as kids. And so, and I believe that may be the oldest character of any of these sitting here. So I'm 19. I'm 20. So at 19, I have to accept that life made me grow up faster than is true here in 2019. But what is not historically unusual for most points in history, where at 19, someone very well may be living on their own and even starting their own family. All right. So I'm 19, but nonetheless, I have to deal with that somehow. So that's interesting to me. My perk and penalty, my perk is lucky. Now, I don't know how actionable that's going to be in the game, but it certainly is actionable in terms of RP, because every time something goes well, I can say, you know, things tend to go well for me. Or every time Firagon says somebody at the table make a roll, my character can be like, hey, let me try to fix this tractor. Things seem to just generally work out for me. (laughs) And, you know, I, I can make this part of my backstory here that I'm lucky because apparently things generally go my way. Penalty is I'm physically a bit weak. But I noticed down here that my pistol, Wayne put a note here that it's militia issued. So I've got a question now for Fearagon, which is, Fearagon, where is this game taking place? And you wrote militia issued, because Wayne didn't do this. Fearagon did this. <laughs> yep. What militia? Honestly, I mean, that's got to tell me something. With a game like Skies of Glass, but let's back off that for a moment. Let, let's just say we're playing a game where we are given a character sheet that just does not have a lot of information on it. Maybe it's pre rules like game. Could be D20 Modern. Right. I mean, I need to learn about the world. Yep. When I play D&D, I mean, we're all kind of more or less on the same page unless we're doing something weird like pirates or whatever. When... We're playing a game like this. It's just like, okay, I am playing someone named Chloe who's 19 years old, who's pretty average, has a gun and a knife. I mean, I'll make up whatever you want, but yep. even to make something up, I need a framework to put it in. So well, see, going for a tie-in, though, Chad... Uh, yeah, it's a militia issue. You also have a militia issued gun. And so do all the other characters. Oh, so do all of us. Okay, so yeah. now from the tie-in standpoint... Well, we're back, right back to where we started. The hell are we? (laughs) The setup of this particular game, they were all in the militia. Yeah. 
Uh, this was a Skies of Glass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was yeah, a Skies yeah, of Glass Metrop- Metropolis game. Okay, so they knew going in the setup of the game. So we're part. You of the- are in Metropolis. You are part of Metropolis's militia. Okay, so we are part of the town's guard or the, yes. the town's. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So and they use the name militia for it. Okay. No, that's fine. So we know now that we are part of the town's defense force. Uh, I note that I have a high survival skill, despite being physically relatively weak, and I'm also lucky. You know what emerges from all those things together to me is I'm probably some kind of a trailblazer or pathfinder. Because if I'm good at survival and I'm lucky and I'm not that physically strong, well, then I guess I've got a pretty good perception. I guess I'm pretty good at wandering out ahead and just so happening to not step on the string that's connected to the spiked log. (laughs) And so I think I've kind of figured out how I fit into the world. And if I'm lucky, well, that's probably led to a certain amount of perhaps unmerited arrogance. Hmm. So looking at my character sheet and ignoring everything I know about these characters, right across the bat, Chad said he was uh, pretty average. Hmm. I have exactly a seven in every stat. Hmm. Wow. This character is looking at it, just I said, forgetting everything I know about the character. Oh my god, your character's a secret clone. He is middle of the road, <laughs> isn't particularly good at anything. He is the average person. Looking at what he has in, a little bit, but he's he is not... a clone! He's not good at anything, but he has nothing with god, agriculture. the militia's been infiltrated. <laughs> <laughs> he has nothing at all in agriculture. So immediately of I course, tie up. because they don't have farms at the cloning facility. They just grow the food. You are the farm. <laughs> oh my god! So a lot when, of when did we slip into paranoia here? <laughs> you tied in on the fact that your character has two d six plus one in survival. Right, in survival. Right. I tie in that my character doesn't have anything in agriculture in a farming town when most of the other characters do. He's avoided farming like the plague. Well, that immediately that becomes a average at everything. You sound to me. I mean, I would interpret like a that clone? as clone. Well, yeah, but I would interpret that, assuming not a clone, <laughs> as a drifter. That this is someone who can't find their place in life or won't find their place in life, and so you've just kind of floated around and you've done odd jobs yeah. and picked up a little bit of everything. But... I'll use another word: bland. He's not particularly good at anything. He's bland. He's Mediocre. But how does that affect him as a character? I mean, well, like, and do you really how want do to you, play that? Yeah. For me, that means he's got a lack of passion. Like you were mentioning, Drifter, things like that. He's a character that hasn't found what's interesting to him yet. So then I go to the next thing. Perks. Technology. Okay. This is a character that has an interest then in technology. If only there was some. It. That's exactly it. He has a, some. He has his interest. <laughs> the reason he hasn't found what he's really into yet is he hasn't been exposed to it. Because there's not really much technology around. Right. So I'm now looking for an opportunity for that part of the character to come out. This is a character that, to me, looking at just the sheet, he's tried a little bit of everything. Nothing seems to click because he hasn't found the technology yet. When I sit at the table, I'm looking for that opportunity for this character to find some technology to tie into. And suddenly he becomes more interested. And that's how I play him, is I Mm -hmm. play him as kind of a little more low-key, low-key, low-key it's Loki. It's lo- <laughs> low, low, low. Oh my God, it's a working flashlight. Right. And then that's where the suddenly is hyped, is energetic. Mm-hmm. And that's what I take out of this one, just looking at it. Because there's not much to tie into. So I look at what he doesn't have and what his perks are. His penalty 
is standing with authority figures. He's an 18-year-old that has tried a little bit of everything, he's but isn't good, good at for anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's, a, he's aroused about. I mean, <laughs> especially in an age that is based on trade skills and barter. Yep. He you're doesn't useless. have it. Exactly. I mean, you're just... that's uh, Heck, maybe you don't even want to be in the militia. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would look at that. I'm not saying you should do that, but one thing I, was, I would look at is if he doesn't get along with authority and he's in the militia, those two facts might yep. be related. And you actually have tied on to, because I do know who all these characters are. That's one of his key character points. He wants no part of the militia, but he's forced into it because everyone is at of certain age. Yeah. So, yeah, that was something kind of built into it, the character. Well, is, and my character resents yours because clearly you did something to piss off all the powers that be because we all have Glocks. <laughs> <laughs> Me, as a person who knows next to nothing about guns, I looked up what is the most common gun for a police officer. Yeah. Glock. As well as Glock. So that became the Glock. Because the other. That became what the militia had the most of. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Of the decent guns, they're the cheapest of the. It's like if you can't afford a SIG, you get a Glock. Someone's mad right now. So I'm not going to make the same points and and arguments that I made for the D&D character. I'm going to approach this differently. So there is not a whole lot of information on here. I still will stick to I will develop personality in flight based on other people. But I'm not going to just reject the character sheet. Because, again, I, I'm, I'm going different from... Yeah, the there's less one. to reject on it. Yeah, there's right. less to reject. So looking at this, what I would what I see here is Chloe, 19, uh, apparently slightly above average stats, uh, now that I look at it. I really see two things that are automatically defining my character. As long as the game master did not tell me you're this, this, and this. If they just right. handed this to you and said, we're playing in this town... And you guys are part of the militia. And then think about it, talk about it amongst yourself a little bit. Go. What I would do with this character is I would say my character is a militia officer. The reason why they're a militia officer is because they have standing militia as their perk and they have a pistol and not a rifle. So they're an officer, which is great because you don't like authority and you're mm-hmm. aroused about. That gives us an instant connection because I'm the one who's always riding your ass. Or maybe I'm the one who's been shielding you. Yeah, I would pitch it to you. To go back yeah. to an earlier idea that doesn't have to be adversarial, mm-hmm. because the relationship between Chad's character, Chloe, and Wayne's character, Jim, it doesn't have to be that Wayne has low-standing militia, Chad has high, and therefore you hate each other. Right. It could be you're riding his ass because you believe he's better than this. Yep. You believe in a potential that he hasn't realized, and you're going to bring that out mm-hmm. in him. So if you were pitching this to me, you are the one shielding me, keeping me from everyone else riding my ass. But you're riding my ass even harder than they would be because you see the potential that they don't see. Yep. Well, on top of that, if he's yelling at you with a heart of love and compassion, some tough love, then that may get the captain to walk on by and not get involved. Right. Right. Heck, maybe you guys are related. I mean, there's... So if this were a game, Wayne and Chad are sitting down, they have these characters, I would pitch tough love or I'm shielding you, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of riding your ass potential, all that stuff we talked about. If this was me and a stranger I didn't know, I would actually say, how about I'm the officer and I'm shielding you? We're related, yeah, I'm I mean, protecting you. Ask question. Yep. How do you <laughs> feel about me doing blah? Right. You, Be- because you don't know, again, you don't know the person. You don't know what they're sitting down yeah. to. And you start saying, oh, well, I'm going to be an asshole to you. Oh, this is going to be a fun four hours. Yeah. yeah. So, well, and one of the other things, made a comment, never add a name to the character sheets. Mm-hmm. But 
one thing noteworthy on these sheets, the first name's there. No last name. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to be Chad's younger brother, because I think Chloe was 19, then it could be, okay, what's your last name? Vandershitz. I am now Jim Vandershitz. (laughs) I'm your younger brother. Jim Vandershitz. (laughs) So I like giving... What's funny, Dan? Is there something funny about it? No, no, nothing. I just... Of the the Vandershitz Diamond Empire. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> it's a noble name. <laughs> when I'm running a con game, I go back and forth about whether to put names or not. Some people, when they look at it with a blank name, they're it's like they're deer in a headlights. I have As, actually been handed a sheet at a con that had a name, and I looked at it, and I'm like, can I change the name? I don't even remember. Either I would have trouble pronouncing it, or it was of a gender that I didn't want to play, or I just didn't feel like being a Jim that day. You know, I felt like being a Tom. But I've done that before. I've been like, oh, I don't care. Cross out, write in whatever I want. Dale? And this is your first time seeing a Skies of Glass sheet, isn't it? You're also the only one of us with a rifle. Yes, I am. Uh, So that was was one of the things that I noticed, too, was you actually had a rifle, which meant that it wasn't necessarily standard operating procedure to give everyone just this. Okay, so character's name is Joe. Perks, standing militia. Joe, Mm -hmm. just like Chad. Penalties, unlucky. Mm. And the rifle, it says, gift from dad. Go uh, on, kill some people. Uh, to, to me, all of that just screams, he is oblivious. <laughs> he, he's just kind of, you know, just smack him up alongside the head mm. because he didn't see anything. He got where he was because, uh, you know, dad gave him a rifle. He, he's all good. You know, he's happy. So the militia just said, okay, you're good with us because you've got better weaponry. And <laughs> anything else? Yeah. You know, he just like bumbles through life. Mm-hmm. Now, who is this motley crew I'm in charge of? I had to look something up. I'm going to send a note to Aisha and chat mm-hmm. before. Because Vandershitz is a, is a not common name, but it is. It a, is a legitimate name. Yeah, it is. Apparently, Vandershitz is more common. Mm. But there is a Vandershitz. So That's right. <laughs> apparently, she doesn't have to bleep there's, that. There's a Lipschitz and a Vandershitz. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Because I, I, it's like, if that's not a real name, we have to bleep it. If it's a real name, I guess we can let it ride. And it's, it's obscure. It's like I said, Vandershitz is a more yeah. common version. But it does exist. You know, so. jokes aside, though, you can actually have that. as Chloe and Jim Vandershitz. And people give us crap about our name. Excuse the pun. Excuse the pun. I mean, yeah. you know, it's that, that could yeah. be like... Again, marketplace of ideals. It's a very, very tiny hook. Yeah, but it's a hook Let's that gets thrown see, out. See maybe. where it goes. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, cool, Wayne. This was a fun exercise. Once again, I will be sure to put uh, pictures of at least a couple of these in the show notes. Also, if the Fear the Con twenty twenty Kickstarter is still going on, you'll find a link to that. Whether it is or isn't, you will find the link to the Con Planner site. And that aside, Mm -hmm. as always, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. This has been a production of Fear the Booth, copyright 2019. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.